1: Boogie well, hates racism and Chris Paul, and who cannot get on board with that platform? If I've learned a lot,
2: this I, I'm not going to say
1: it. That sounds too. Now it's good, Roll, Roll. on no, 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 how no,
2: how no, they they no, no. <laughs> if
1: the Bucks do win it all. Pat Connaughton's numbers should be in the rafters. Hey there, welcome to the Eurostep, a Milwaukee Bucks podcast, proudly a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network and of course GSPN, the Eurostep Podcast Network. I'm Ty Windish, one of your hosts. I'm joined as always by the selfless Rohan Cadi. Rohan, how's it going on this Monday morning? I'm doing well, Ty. We have Bucks things to talk about—actual Bucks things. It was
2: only like a week or two ago. We're like, oh my god, we're in the full doldrums of the yeah, season. I know, <laughs> and it's it's gone. It's gone. We have actual Bucks things. They held their media day yep. uh,
1: yesterday on Sunday. Can we just say holding it on at noon on a football Sunday is hilariously Bucks. Oh, like, it's so, it's so I, fun. I, I like to imagine they thought the Packer game was at noon and they just wanted no one to notice Media Day. Not because there was anything necessarily negative, just because that's the Bucks, right? They're like, yeah, don't worry about us. We're just going to do our thing.
2: Yeah. Not even all the players didn't even talk, which no, is strange.
1: Like eight of them didn't, I think. Yeah.
2: Which is it. Now that I think about it, that's very unusual and strange for a Bucks media day. At least with what they've done in the past. Yeah, I
1: think exit interviews have been very hit or miss. But usually on media day, you hear from more guys, especially like someone like Pat Conditon, who we know has been around the team, etc. And
2: who signed a new deal this whole season. Yeah. But uh, it's it's. It's whatever. It's bucks, but yeah. we do have bucks things to talk about. A lot, about.
1: a lot of good. Honestly, I I'd say more than expected. Like interesting talking points coming from this media day, and one piece of real tangible news that we'll get to first.
2: For sure, and that John Horse reported himself. Yeah, which uh, who, is that is that legal? Who knows? They, they did it. <laughs> um, but uh, if you if you are enjoying this, make sure you subscribe to wherever you're listening to this, and also. Check out Talk of the Tundra, Cruising yes. for a Bruising. Make time for this. All of the other GSPN podcasts, you can find all the information on GSPN at gspn.info.
1: Yeah, today as we record and hopefully as you're listening to this or yesterday, if you check it out Tuesday morning, there is a new Cruising for a Bruising on the Brewers 3-1 win over the Reds. Could have been a sweep. Would it would have been nice if it was a sweep, but uh staying alive is where the Milwaukee Brewers are right now. And a new talk of the tundra with Numak and myself. Also, Monday morning breaking down Victory Monday. The Packers outlasted the Bucks, the bad Bucks in Tampa Bay. But let's get to the good Bucks, the Bucks with a K. Number one news item was, and I sat up in my chair when the Twitter alert came through that John Horse says, we are negotiating a deal with Jordan Wara. He will be back by, you know, practice tomorrow or whatever it is he said. And then later that afternoon, the Woj bomb cometh, a two-year, $6.2 million deal that the uh, Bucks and Wara have agreed to. Wara's agency, which I believe is priority, but I'll have to double check, also confirmed that deal on Twitter. It has not come through the transaction wire yet. You know, if you're a conspiracy brainer. This could still technically be part of a sign and trade, although I find it fairly unlikely at this point, given the way the Bucs talked about it. But Jordan Wara is coming back. And I think, you know, we can talk a little bit about just the whole weird Jordan Wara saga. We've talked about it pretty often that we expected something else to happen. Whatever might have happened just didn't materialize. But I find this to be fascinating. A that they signed him at all because this is the fifteenth roster spot. The roster is full. I don't have we seen them come into the season with a full roster at all. Not last year. I'm not in the tax years. I don't know if they have it all in the tax years. Maybe like the first Budenholzer year they did. But it's certainly oh, not been the, the there. Only,
2: the, the only tax years have been last year and the season
1: prior. Yeah, so I think both of those seasons they did not bring a fifteenth player. Which Be-
2: the championship and the championship season was only a tax year because they won the title because of the yeah, holidays contract bonuses. Holiday.
1: That's a good. That's a good call. Um, but as the the roster has gotten so pricey, they haven't done it. And quite frankly, that's not something we were even upset about, right? Like it, it is, I guess you could say, a competitive advantage to have the extra player. Depending on who it is, I mean, it would have been nice to have a center last year, as we talked about, ad nauseum. But also, usually, the 15th guy just isn't that much of a factor. Whoever it may be, and not having one is really not that big of a deal. I was pretty wowed, not just that they signed War, which we thought probably qualifying offer at this point, which I believe would be one year, about $2 million, but they went above that and with an extra year which i'm still guessing is a player option we don't have the exact details yet that just feels very bucks but maybe it is just a two year contract i'm not sure um, but what was your initial thought on jordan war and the bucks agreeing to you know what is not a huge deal but still bigger than we expected especially if it is fully guaranteed which maybe it's not but assuming for now it is because that's all we've gotten reporting wise I was
2: just surprised as well. I can't believe this actually happened. My conspiracy theory that I said that was fu- fully not sourced at all on the last pod was that Jordan Moore actually signed his qualifying offer and just it hadn't been reported. Yeah. Uh, but that Apparently was obviously not. quashed. It was obviously quashed when he wasn't on the t- initial training camp roster for media day because he wasn't on the team. Right. Uh, just, Just a little surprising. I thought that's what they were going to go with. Just sign the qualifying offer. Try this again next year. But as Bobby Marks pointed out uh, from ESPN, if he did sign the qualifying offer because of his years of experience, he would have just been hitting restricted free agency again next season. Mm. Uh, so that's probably why that didn't actually happen. And it's better for both sides to probably get a two-year deal done because for Jordan Warren and his camp, you don't have to go through restricted free agency again. And from the Bucks' perspective, you get a multi-year salary depending like And that could be helpful if it's if the second year ends up being non-guaranteed, like you mentioned, let's just assume that it is guaranteed. Yeah. But there's still a chance that it's not guaranteed. Right. So like that could be beneficial for the Bucks in terms of salary, in terms of trade purposes. It just it works out for both sides. It's a very, very small deal in terms of actual money.
1: Um, However, according to Frank Madden, this season, it's a 15 million dollar luxury tax hit because of. The repeater tax, and just the way the dollars work. So the 3000000 million-ish for this season are going to cost the Bucks basically five times that, which is just honestly shocking. Like, it's not that we don't see anything in Jordan Wara. I mean, I think he has been talked about quite a bit in terms of clearly the scoring punch is there. I think defensively, it wasn't as bad as we feared he could be last season. He just really didn't seem to gel or mesh or be able to play that bench scorer role he just needed the rock too much which just was not going to happen with the Bucks. but with the team being deeper and bringing back now literally everyone except Lindell Wiginton who is technically still on the training camp roster and probably will start the season with the herd they brought back literally everyone
2: well no not not everyone but Tuck and Vildoza
1: Tuck is still on the training camp roster you're all right, Vildoza is excuse no. me but Tuck <laughs> yeah. is in Australia I forgot about Tuck you're yeah. right but all the guys who were on the team for the whole season, the actual NBA roster, are all back now. I still don't see where the role comes. I mean, we'll talk about injuries. Maybe maybe there is a real role. But clearly, either as a player or as an asset, the Bucks believe in Jordan Wara. And I think that is – believe in him enough to eat that tax bill, which even if they do trade him, they're probably taking money back. Like it's still going to be expensive and you still have to pay tax – on all the dollars you pay him while he is on the roster. So at least for half of the first season or so, that is going to to cost Milwaukee. Actually no, that's that's not accurate. I think it's by end of season. But regardless, there it's going to be expensive almost certainly for the Bucks. It is by end of season. Off. Yeah, it's by if they dump him and and take back less money, they don't. But um that seems a little unlikely. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, we thought there might be a more, bigger market for them to get something for him now. Clearly, that did not materialize um, for whatever reason. But it's just interesting to me that there's clearly that belief in Wara, either as a player or as some sort of a value asset that other teams would want, unless this is literally just like the risk of paying $15 million for another $3 million in tradable salary, which I think would help in a deal, but I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that's a big price to pay just for three million. I would think that there is something else here, like a real belief that Wara could be either for the Bucks or for someone else, a good, valuable role player.
2: And that's that's what's really surprising to me about this deal is because even when you see in the last playoff series against the Celtics, you see Chris Middleton oh, like go on, he's he's injured. And you're struggling, struggling for offense. You see, Drew Holiday, Yadis, uh, they're overtaxed in their role, overburdened. Jordan Morris still doesn't get a shot. Still doesn't get a shot. Yeah, it's it's mind-boggling. Like I get it that it's a small commitment in terms of actual money uh, for the roster. But you mentioned that fifteen million dollar cap. I'm sure. I'm sure ownership talked to Bud and John Horst like about this decision. Like John Horst oh, yeah. talked to talked to ownership about the luxury tax. Hit. And then, like, talking to Bud about it, like, I'm sure those conversations happen. Oh, yeah. it still happened. That's what's shocking to me, that it still actually happened. Like, this is very, very expensive. For Jordan, who a guy, when you're struggling for offense, and he's call guard in the league is offense, that's all he does, is try and get buckets, still can't get an opportunity. That's what's what's mind-boggling to me. We saw that he had his chances. We talked about it last season. He had his chances. He really did not take advantage of him very well at all. And by the end of the season, he was just playing out of the rotation. Bringing that guy back and just at this hit is just – it. it's crazy. Yeah, I can't I believe think, it actually happened.
1: And just to to kind of reiterate the point that it, there's something about Wara in particular. For the folks who say it was it's just a salary block for trades – you could sign basically any old guy right now, and their hit is going to be like two point six million. Even go on get minimum. yeah,
2: go get go get uh, Demarcus Cousins, Tony Snell. Yeah, like
1: uh, I, there, there was there was other ways to add. I mean, three million is not much more than than a veteran uh, minimum for a player who's been in the league for a while. It, it's just it, it is striking. Like there's some belief there, and you know as we'll, we'll cover the injuries probably up next, the various injury updates, including Coach Bud. Uh, is dealing with an injury right now, but I, I think you know he's probably going to get some chances to play again. I mean, War played a, a relatively large amount of minutes last year, and I think uh, to to let's move he from start, he started thirteen games. Yeah, it's always it always wows me to look back at some of the role players' minutes and see like how much it actually was versus what we think. And he he played a lot of minutes for the Bucks, and I, I do think the step forward he took defensively last season is why this gets done. Like. As we talked about, for the most part, he was not a disaster defensively. Well, you don't agree with that? I mean, I, I no, think his defense that's, that's was fair. fine. I think that's his fair. offense that's was uneven. But we've seen also with Team Nigeria and with the Bucks, he can shoot the ball very well, and he has plus offensive skills. So they've seen. I think now year one all offense, and year two, like you know, again, is he is he prime Chris Middleton defensively? No. But he wasn't a total turnstile. He wasn't lost entirely out there defensively. So I think it's logical for the Bucs to say, you know, we got him along defensively. Can we really integrate him into the offense? Can we – and this is something Bobby Portis talked about, you know, kind of really like taking the shots right away and like just being the right – doing the right stuff as a role it's player.
2: Decisiveness.
1: Decisiveness on offense. Like can we – if we can complete this puzzle, like is it that far-fetched? to think Jordan War is that far away from being a real useful role player. Maybe not. I mean, he's shown more skills than a lot a lot of these guys you'd look at bringing in on a minimum contract, and he's much younger than those guys too. That's fair.
2: He does have an NBA ready skill.
1: Yeah, score. that's
2: that's something i've been I've been clamoring for this team. It just needs to fit. It's it's more of like. Like you mentioned, he's not a turnstile on defense. I feel like most of his dis- defensive lapses have not been individual one-on-one defense. It's, it's team. It's defense. more. It's yeah. team defense. It's team defense. Like not getting lost in rotations and stuff like that. Especially when the Bucks switch to a more aggressive defensive scheme, where you have to be more crisp in your rotations and stuff. Like like your movement defensively, you have to know where every other guy is and snap movement. That's the sort of stuff he struggled with. And like to be fair, he did take strides forward. He did. Improve, you could see he wasn't as bad as he used to be, so yeah, you're right. Maybe they maybe they believe in Jordan War, but it's just like I, ah, it's, it's still, I still can't believe it.
1: I can't believe it either, but I'm very pleased with it because I think this is literally the opposite of last offseason or two offseasons ago, now it was right where uh, they let PJ walk, and we go, like, why would you not do that? Like, not doing the bare minimum, essentially. I think,
2: I they, think they've learned,
1: they've definitely learned, and this is. Let me find the quote on this on the tax um, because Wes Edens, I believe it was stunted a little bit. And we'll try to cite everything as we go. I believe everything we've got in this sheet is from Eric Name and Justin Garcia on Twitter, who did a great job. Also, Jim Ozwarski as well. So, all of the stuff we're going to say is coming from those Twitter accounts. Follow at Jim Ozwarski. At TMJ Garcia and at Eric underscore name, and you can check out their timelines for all the full quotes and everything from media. Day. Great stuff. It was so. Here's Wes Edens on the luxury tax. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Uh, he cites 11 of the 30 teams or something like that is in the tax, so it's not a unique situation. Quote, but as a group, we made a big commitment to winning championships and doing everything we can on the ownership side to be supportive of John and Bud and the whole organization. So we're obviously deeply committed to that. We have a very, very special generational talent in the form of Giannis and all the great players around him and Chris and Drew, Brooke, et cetera, et cetera. We're very committed financially to do what we can to give ourselves the best chance to win. They are. No complaints. You pointed this out on our last podcast with Jordan Clarkson. There's been no shortcut taken. About Jordan
2: Clarkson.
1: Yeah, about Jordan Clarkson. (laughs) There's been no shortcut taken. And this is the opposite of a shortcut. The war thing is like, Taking the long way home, like that is going above and beyond what I think we would even say is reasonable in terms of tax hit versus value gained. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and and lick boots a whole podcast, but caps off. They did what they said and they learned from the mistake of PJ Tucker. The whole gang is back and everyone that was talked to on media day outside of Ingalls, who hasn't been there was very complimentary of that and said they really liked that. Bud said it's the most cohesion he's seen in 30 years in the NBA. And he was on the Spurs for a lot it. literally might be. I think it probably is. But think of it. He was on the Spurs, the organization known for this. And even he said this is the most he's seen. Um, So I think it's going to be a big plus. And I think you look at a guy like Wara, where certainly we don't believe he's going to step in and be a difference maker for all 82. But like let's say uh, – and I don't know. I think you're out on this guy too. But there's a lot of people who clamor for someone like Cam Reddish who is another incomplete wing player who's shown some things. Why would you be not excited about another flawed wing player who's already been in the system for two years and is a culture fit and knows the team and knows the schemes? Like I, I think people, there's a lot of people would be more excited if they went and got a Cam Reddish or someone. I think it's smarter and more bucksy and a better fit to just like keep building and doubling down on the guys you already have especially cuz we have seen that plus skill like development is not linear there's nothing that says bringing in some random flawed wing player who we haven't seen will mean he'll develop faster than Jordan War in year 3 so i think it's a good bet if it doesn't work out it doesn't really hurt the bucks long term it just costs them money which we don't care about but we think is neat um i think it's it's a great move and i'm really happy they did it i think it's it's a really it's a smart gamble and it's a low risk gamble.
2: Yeah, and plus it could end up being high reward. Like, you, one, you get more tradable salary, or Jordan Ware actually turns out to be good,
1: <laughs> you know? which I do think is possible.
2: It is definitely possible. Also, this is this is something that just came to my mind uh, about like luxury tech situations. I believe uh, next season, not this coming season, next season cap spike. It's the la- no, it's also the last season that Edens is governing.
1: Oh, it switches again. Yeah. I don't want to talk about that right now. The vibes of media day were pretty good, um, so I don't want to talk about what that could look like. It's the stupidest ownership structure in the NBA. It's
2: it's every five years that Lazarus and Eden switch.
1: Anyway, uh, let's talk that's, about. That's not to say that it's not going to be that it's going to be bad. It could still be good. Yeah, Lazare. hopefully, yeah, hopefully they're mostly on the same page. But we'll I see. think they take a lot of they make a lot of these decisions together. Yeah.
2: Because obviously, because they, they have to pay the luxury tax together. Right. It's not like just one of them
1: pays because he's governor of the team. As we've said before, if, you know, assuming they don't luck into another Giannis right after Giannis, you, they will have plenty of opportunities to not pay the tax post-Giannis, I'm sure. And we are okay with that as they rebuild. But uh, that's hopefully like a decade plus from now. Let's get to the, the other Year sort 10 of... 10 for Giannis, by the way. That's wild. That is. That seems impossible. That seems Crazy. totally impossible. We're getting old. Yeah, shout. Well, at least one of us is. (laughs) The other less positive stuff is injury updates. Not overwhelmingly negative, I think. Mostly just confirming priors. Uh, But let's start with Chris Middleton, who is out of the cast now. But despite John Horst saying it's kind of too early to know exactly when he'll be back, Chris himself basically indicated probably not by the start of the season. So what it was? It's basically confirmed that he's out. What what is your thought on the Chris Middleton injury update? It's it's kind. Of, we figured this would happen uh, yeah. when
2: the initial reporting was done. I believe in June, or July. I don't remember at this
1: point. I think July. I think it was post free agency.
2: Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Um, we it, we kind of assumed that Chris wasn't going to be ready to start season one because uh, they said it may be ready by training camp, and two, we know this Bucks organization and how careful they are with injuries yep. and uh, how you want to like. Especially with a guy like Chris Middleton, you want him to be healthy for the end of the season. Who cares about the beginning of the season? Take him as slow as possible. We saw that last season when he was out. Take as much time as you need, Chris. So we just assumed he was going to miss the start of the season. And now it's basically been confirmed. I think John Horst, he said he'll be ready early in the season, uh, which could mean anything. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. but uh, it we we talked about this before about like who's going to start in Chris Middleton's absence. This is just it's it's confirmed. It's not really shocking to me uh, mm-hmm. that he's going to be out because we just kind of expected it would happen anyway.
1: Early in the season might be Wara time too. We've talked about Bochan time, but this might be a time where Wara gets I, called I, on I, as well.
2: Yeah, do we we did not even think about Jordan Wara as a starter because we didn't think we he was. Did, gonna be yeah, out the team. We did, yeah, we thought he was gone.
1: It's honestly, I think. This adds quite a bit of intrigue to preseason for me to look at because I think that's the time. Which starts on Saturday. Which starts on Saturday. You'll you'll see Jordan Wara playing, I think, quite a bit in preseason. Um, I think the starters will play some too, but probably not all the games, certainly not with the travel to Abu Dhabi. Um, So it's going to be interesting to watch. Like A great camp in preseason for Jordan Wara could be a huge deal for him going forward.
2: It could. It's just he needs to take advantage of these he chances. He's had him in, he's he had to. him in the past and he hasn't as much. He has to grasp it it's, now. It, we, this is literally like his last chance.
1: It's this you can copy paste what we said about Bochamp's chances to play early. When Chris is out, certainly, and also uh Ingalls will be out, and we got an update on his timeline as well. Like the young wings, that's their chance to really prove themselves and get some more minutes. So it'll be exciting to see what Bochamp and Wara can do in those opportunities. Um, Anything else by Chris? Um, We are planning a little bit of a Chris deep dive pod soon. So maybe a special guest. Yeah, stay Stay tuned. tuned. Stay tuned for that. But we'll talk more about Chris. Nothing else really, really earth shattering. I think the injury happened first around the All-Star game and he kind of just dealt with it since then. So the the, the wrist. So that was interesting. Um, But we'll dive more in on Chris. Should we talk about your your bestie, Joe Ingles? (laughs) Sure, let's do it. So the updated injury timeline, Horst said uh, December maybe too optimistic, January more realistic. I think we had heard around Christmas before. So really that's only, you're only talking about scooting back the injury timeline like a week. So around then still is the expectation. Ingles said himself, like usually it's like six to nine months. I got hurt in February. You do the math. It's like, Joe... You know if unless you're ready right now, I don't think that's a great timeline to give out because six months would have already passed. But uh, seems like he'll be ready a few months into the season. Um, I think it was really interesting. There's a lot of optimism from the team around Ingalls. It seems like the guys were really on board with the signing. George Hill and Grayson Allen have played with him before. We only heard, we didn't hear from Grayson, did we? Just George, no. I think. Um, But Ingalls himself talked about trash talking and Drew talked about trash talking with him. Apparently through Quinn Snyder, he's known Ingalls. Drew and Ingalls have known each other. I didn't know Quinn Snyder and Drew Holiday were good friends how i don't I'll, I'll pull up the quote i'll make sure i'm not getting <laughs> it wrong but i was like i don't what are those two hanging out i'm not really i sure. mean
2: like sure i mean it's just they're in the business i guess but like where did they develop a relationship i want to know this about. imagine
1: imagine a version of the hilarious 2015 bucks strip club pictures but it's quinn snyder and drew holiday and then like some other random player i don't know who else like still
2: miles Plumley still
1: there yeah miles Plumley still there he doesn't have a lot else going on um but yeah january and i thought ingles himself talking about his game focusing on playmaking first was interesting he specifically talked about the pick and roll with him and Giannis, which i thought was fun but what were your thoughts on the whole ingles discourse whatever you want to whatever interests you most the injury timeline talking about his fit his trash talking etc well
2: the injury timeline is obviously the most pressing when do we actually get to see this guy on the court this was one of my primary concerns with the signing that i've i've never on. okay guys Give me a break. Uh, but um, uh, just around January, February always sort of made sense. I feel like this team would treat it sort of like a trade deadline acquisition. Uh, Joe Ingles, uh, because you're getting him around the same time around the trade deadline. Obviously, if this is a, if this hits, if he can be like what he was before the injury, this is a big time win for the Bucks in terms of being a guy who can come off the bench and be a good playmaker have good chemistry, like fit or fits well around Giannis and Chris, doesn't need the ball much, can space the floor very well, obviously a big win. I just want to see it, <laughs> you know, and we're not going to probably see it for a couple of months. Um, is that going to add to my anxiety? Probably. But uh, it, it's it's just – it's about patience. Uh, can he, can he actually get back on the court? Obviously, like I talked about with Chris Middleton, they, the bucks and their training staff are going to be very, very careful with Joe, uh, in terms of his, uh, recovery. Um, so like if he assumed it was a six to nine month timetable, just adding on a couple of months feels very bucks. And I mean that in a good way, that is a very good thing. Uh, just to make sure he gets back in full shape, full recovery, no other issues. Don't want to put any strain on anything else while you're trying to recover from an ACL injury. I think it's um it's it's sort of a wait and see game. It's it's going to be with Joe Ingles. Wait and see because we can talk about him, his potential fit whatever for on months and months we have talked about it for months and months. I just want to
1: see it. Couldn't agree more. Um on there is a Drew Holiday connection. Quinn oh. Snyder 2010-11 Philadelphia 76ers. Quinn Snyder was an assistant head coach, so I believe that is like Drew's rookie year, his second year in the league, very early in his career. I think it was his second year. So they worked is together that for a year before he there. was
2: with the Hawks?
1: Um,
2: yeah, that I think it was. Bud wasn't, Bud, yeah, Bud it was. Because Bud wasn't there until
1: like 2013. It was his first uh, or oh, his second NBA job. He was well, – while he was in grad school, he was an assistant for the Clippers. But then he was Duke, Missouri, Austin Toros where he gave up for coaching for a little bit before the Austin Toros, but then he was their head coach. And then Sixers, Lakers, CSKA Moscow, Hawks, and then Jazz. And apparently, so between Drew and Bud and some other connections, it seems like Quinn Snyder is pretty close with the Bucs, or at least favorable of the Bucs. Just come on the staff, bro. I know. Well, did you see the quote about, like, uh, he's? Ingles said every conversation – Here's the quote. Quinn uh, Snyder was very important in this process. I had a lot of early morning Australian phone calls with him. He knows us very well and obviously knows Bud well. The end of every phone call ended up being Milwaukee. That's per Justin Garcia. So that's Ingles talking about these combos with Quinn Snyder. Seriously, I mean, I think I got laughed at by some jazz fans for this. But I I think it would make so much sense. if It's probably going to be like a consultant thing, not an actual assistant coach because then – you know, kind of pick your own hours, but it would not shock me at all if we saw Quinn Snyder around the Bucks facility this year as he weighs options. He's going sort to be of, a head sort coach of like next the, year. The, I think. the
2: Chase Buford Chase and Allen role?
1: More like a KG almost, just like popping up. Oh. He'll have a hoodie stuck to the back of his head. And- <laughs> <laughs> Um, but no, Who's I think
2: he's going to tell us that he's going to tell Jordan Warren, you're a future MVP. Yeah. somebody's
1: totally <laughs> random. Um, no, it'd be Bo in that scenario. Wouldn't it? that? I would, I would buy into that. I'd, fine, I'd be fine um, with that. Hopefully it ages better for Bo than it did for, for Thon. Um, yeah, I think angles. I agree. I, I just really want to see it, but I think, you know, it, he makes sense as a fit with the connections already to like the whole Hawks, jazz spurs tree that he obviously has. Um, and, Clearly, the guys seem excited about him. So I'm excited to see him play. It's uh, we talked about this with Bochamp. I guess, again, something that also applies to Wara. Adds to like that headed wing monster for developing the young guys, like the skill sets of Ingles, Middleton, Conaton, Wes Matthews, like that's gonna be really valuable, I think, for the young young players. You can't, on this you can't team. have enough wings. No, you can't have enough, and I just think it's good for development too, because those guys have been through so much and all bring slightly different stuff to the table. Um, so if he is able to provide that playmaking and, as he said, be a pest on defense, could be a very, very nice add for this Bucks that, team. That's the one thing that concerns me. I know. Most, is the defense. But, I, yeah, it's, uh, a, it, it, it's like it, you see it going either way because obviously Ingles is not a player who ever like – you would call athletic. He was athletic enough. So that's the question. Can he be athletic enough again? Clearly, he's a player who made up for not being the best athlete. Very smart. Being smart, you know, positioning those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, So, you know, Wes Matthews has been through major injuries and obviously still defends at a high level. Not expecting that level from Ingles, but it is possible for guys who are stronger and smarter than they are fast to still defend well after a big injury.
2: Yes. And uh, last thing on Joe Ingles. He's taking Grayson's number. He's yeah, number seven.
1: Grayson didn't even pay him. Grayson, yeah. Grayson, talking about learning from veteran players. Learned from Pat Connaughton, the art of the deal. I guess Pat gave up a lot of money this summer too. Maybe he did That's learn true, from man. Pat. But um, uh, Joe said he's given him a nice, a nice present in return. Oh, did he? I missed that. Yeah, he said I'm not paying him, but I'm gonna give him a nice gift.
2: Yeah, he said he just sort of gave it up without any. Players. He like called like, him. He's that. like, hey,
1: do you want this number? <laughs> Joe Wait, was like, Grayson sure. called him. Well, let me let me try and find it now.
2: I, no, I think you're right,
1: actually. I think I am. I'm scrolling now. Grayson, Grayson is taking number 12. Yeah, Jabari's number. Kind of a cursed yeah, number. Guess, yeah, I guess they're not retiring. <laughs> uh, I know Grayson from Utah. I've been seven my whole career, but it's retired in Utah. Two is retired here. Grayson texted me and said he didn't care too much about the number, so if I wanted it, I could have it.
2: Oh, that's nice from Grayson.
1: Grayson is ready for a new beginning, I think. Yeah. And after the way last season ended, this is – we, we are getting heard a lot from Grayson. No, which I think is – that that's probably his preference. But I think we have – You new, did get married though. New, yeah, congratulations to Mr. and Mrs. Allen. If – I don't know. Congratulations to Grayson Allen and his now wife. I don't know if she took his last name or not. Anyway, Grayson Allen, new number, new me season. George Hill, get healthy, redemption tour. And the Bobby Portis, no hesitation, I'm ready now. Season, which of those do we want to talk about first? I don't know if we had that much on Grayson because he didn't really talk. let's go, let's
2: go, George Hill, yeah, uh, because he is one of the guys who did talk. Grayson did not yeah. talk, that's why we don't have a lot on Grayson, yeah. <laughs> the only thing is that he has a new number,
1: yeah, new number, <laughs> um, new him. We're excited, yeah.
2: Um, uh, George Hill, uh, coming back, he talked a lot about last season. And uh, the injury he dealt with uh, that he contemplated retirement.
1: Yeah. uh, He he was losing feeling in his fingers because of the back and neck injuries.
2: That's very, very scary. Yeah. No wonder Uh, he he wasn't
1: scoring any points, man. He couldn't feel his hand.
2: Yes. Also, Bud, why why do you
1: keep playing? (laughs) At that point, I feel like it was just like you don't want to get in George Hill's way, but somebody should have.
2: Also, maybe he didn't say that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I don't want to I don't want to say it's Bud's fault for saying, hey, this guy can't feel anything. I'm going to go play you anyway. Right. Maybe he didn't know that. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we see, don't know. George clearly details. wanted to play. Yeah.
2: Yes. And George George Hill sort of felt a little he was obviously disappointed with the entirety of last season, which is something that when he said this, uh, here I'll say the quote. he said he owes the city a better George than last year after contemplating retirement yeah. and that
1: he did not get surgery. Yeah. Uh, he rehabbed and uh, sort of got win. cortisone shots.
2: Yes. Um, when he said he owes the city a better George than last year, that sort of took me by surprise because, honestly, I didn't think it was that bad for the majority I mean, of last year. I mean,
1: by the playoffs. Year.
2: By the playoffs, yeah, I'm sure that's what sure. sticks out
1: to him the most. I think overall, sure. during the season, he was just okay, I He thought. was fine. Yeah.
2: I thought he was fine. I thought he was okay. Uh, but, obviously, the playoffs were bad. Yeah. Uh, we saw that, and which is why we were so excited to see Javon Carter back. Yeah. Uh, so... That kind of took me by surprise that he owes he owes the city a better George than last year. First of all, that's a great quote. If you want to be like getting, uh, I got uh, I got
1: fired up when I heard yeah, that. I'm yeah, not that's, gonna that's lie. That's great. To you. I'm not that's gonna great. lie. That's
2: great. He feels like he's this is the most he's been with a team in a while now. Like yeah. obviously he had the, the year off uh, when they won the title, which is unfortunate George. for George. Yeah, uh, but like he he spent a few years in Cleveland, a few years in Utah with the Kings. Like it's just. Back and forth, but now he's actually like connected with Milwaukee, been with his team for a while now, been connected to the uh to the coaching staff, to players for a while now. So it feels good that he recognizes that he wants to do better. And obviously, it's kind of hard to not recognize yeah. that you didn't do that well in the playoffs in the postseason. It's all about what kind of role he wants to have this season. Yep. Because, like I mentioned, we were very excited to see Javon Carter back, and even though these quotes are very uh getting us fired up, hyped up for a George Hill redemption arc, that doesn't change the fact that we still believe that Javon Carter should have a bigger role.
1: I trying, trying to figure out the it's, rotation. Trying to figure out the rotation right now is a menace. I just can't it's a mess. It, it's there's too many good players.
2: It is. And one thing about this is George Hill, if he recognizes that he's older, recognizes that he should maybe not press as much, maybe he'll be okay taking a smaller role.
1: Yeah. I I, I think one I think what a grounded attitude for this guy who got fairly unceremoniously dumped and the Bucks had to do it, but it still doesn't mean it doesn't hurt for George Hill when he gets dumped right before they win the title. He comes back. Dumped.
2: He was part of a Drew holiday trip.
1: Yeah. But I mean, they at, I'm sure to him ending up in Oklahoma city, he felt pretty dumped. Rohan. That's fair. <laughs> um, so he misses the title. He comes back. He tries to gut through injury. He gets hell for it. I'm sure George Hill is not checking Twitter. Uh, I think his tweets are like protected. But, you know, clearly he does not get much understanding from the fan base, I would say. And who knows how much of that he was ever aware of. And I'm sure the team was very supportive and everything. But, you know, I think for him to come back and say, I owe the city more after trying to give everything he could and just not being you know good and, and not being able to play through the injuries like he probably hoped or thought he could, I think is a great attitude. I also think... This, to me, it feels like both the fact that he's back and that he's talking like this, I feel like he thinks he can tap into like 20 or 1920 George Hill, which that could be very exciting. That could be a huge deal for the box. It's again, we have to see it. It's kind of like 1920 George Hill who shoots. How about that? Well, yeah, I mean, that was when he sh- the, the, he doesn't need to shoot a lot on this team. If he can just come in and shoot forty five percent on like two attempts per game, that's yeah, probably the thing, fine.
2: The thing is, like, the reason we weren't super happy with nineteen twenty George Hill is because he was very passive.
1: Yeah, but that's a different team. That's true. There, there's a lot more guys on this team now who I think I think he could shoot at that same volume, and it would totally flip how this team looks if he plays like that.
2: if he if he shoots on that volume
1: without, and that, that like, and that that accuracy.
2: Yeah, at that accuracy, that volume, but it's also not scaled to his playing time. Like, he'll have a reduced playing – I yeah. think the problem with nineteen twenty George Hill is because he was only taking, like, three shots a game, but he was playing, like, 20 minutes. Yeah. If if it's three shots a game, but you're playing 10 minutes, that's better.
1: Yeah. Yeah, give me 12 minutes, three attempts from three per game, and, like, 40 – it doesn't even have to be shot, like, 54% that year. It can be, like, 40%, 45%, and that's just fine. Plus, the playmaking of that year's George Hill was important, and he was Defense a good defender. Too. yeah. So I, I still think there's a good amount of upside with George Hill. And I, as I have I think I might have been the first outside of the actual org to stake out this location. I'm on board for the George Hill Redemption Tour. I think it's coming. If that means Javon plays a little bit less of a role for one more year and then re-ups again and is ready to step up next year when, guys, West is a year older, George is potentially retired, I am probably okay with that if George looks closer to that. The last George Hill we saw before last season in Milwaukee.
2: And based on his quotes, it seems like this is it for George,
1: yeah, it does, um, and you know i I totally understand him not wanting to go out on that last season for him and for the team, not a good note. I think if it feels like yeah, I agree if they win the title, this might be his his last year.
2: I think it's regardless.
1: we'll see. We thought that we'll maybe last year, um we'll see how it goes,
2: yeah uh but uh who do who do we have to talk about next, Bobby, yeah. So you you were really fired up about Bobby. Uh, Eric Name uh, was asking him about the Celtics series and how he was being run off the line yep. a lot in that Celtics series. We've talked about a lot about how the problem with Bobby Portis and his like playoffs against the Celtics was mainly because of his offense and not his defense. Mm-hmm. Eric Name asked a great question about that, about him getting run off the line. And before Bobby, like uh, before, before Eric, Eric finishes get, the question, finishes yeah. the question, Portis interjects, says, "I'm ready now." Yeah, Ty. What do you think?
1: Porter said the the rest of the what Eric said. Uh, Portis said he wanted to thank the Celtics for doing that against him and showing him how he needed to improve. Think about the way Giannis. It took him a couple post seasons to really kind of figure out that role. And I know Bobby was obviously on the championship team, but in a lesser role than certainly in the Celtics series with Chris out. Um, and I think even you know Brooke a little more limited in that playoff run and just. There was more on Bobby, and I don't know if he was ready for it yet. And I think, you know, interestingly, this probably means nothing, but did you see the five players that did a five-player shoot together? It was yeah. obviously Giannis Chris Drew, Brooke Lopez, and Bobby Portis, which I found fascinating. Um, you know, Bobby might have needed to run into that wall barrier, so to speak, to be ready for the next playoffs and really be, you know, no hesitation, like one of your top six guys every series in a playoff run. And again, obviously, they won a championship with him, but he didn't play it by the end of one of those series, right? It was a different role. He was so important against the Suns and against the Hawks, but it was just a little bit different, and there were just more players around him outside of the end of the Hawks series. So I, I'm fired up. I love I love the approach that basically everyone in the org top-down has taken this offseason. Like, everything is being used as motivation. Everyone's excited about cohesion there is no drama anywhere to be seen right now. Like doesn't seem like anyone has any issues. Like everyone's just ready to work toward a common goal. And that's the kind of stuff you hear out of an organization before they go win a championship. And that's that's how winning orgs stay winning in the NBA. So, I'm excited for Bobby to get even better and you know, I just think this is this is awesome and that is we're at a point now where if he if he has that quick trigger and no hesitation and is ready on offense, like, he's going to be so much better, and I think he's going to make a lot of people look silly for leaving him off their top 100 lists. is my take. Oh, for
2: sure. I think he's also said on Twitter that his goal for this season is sixth man of the year.
1: Yeah, he has. Uh, which
2: is definitely in play. And like you mentioned, that uh, that picture, I don't necessarily think – obviously, I'm not saying you think that, but I'm just yeah. clarifying. I don't think that's going to be the starting lineup No, uh, this season. Uh, it's just – it's their five best players.
1: Yeah. Shouts to Pat and West who are close. Pat more than West I think.
2: I think uh, theoretically they're probably better than Brooke in a vacuum, but Brooke is more he's the he's the center. He's the anchor. Yeah,
1: Absolutely. I don't know. I, I I think it's it's so hard to I hate to I hate the player. It's it's things.
2: you can't you can't compare the two. You, what if, I'm trying if, to say is I'm I'm not saying that's the starting lineup. I'm yeah, saying yeah, Bobby's yeah. very important. That's right, why he's in the right. picture.
1: Yeah, and I think you know I think that's probably been I've seen takes about his contract, like it's like an overpay or whatever, not from Bucks people, but like nationally. And I think there's just a misunderstanding of what he already does for the team, what he was deserved and was owed after taking two straight pay cuts, which is a huge factor, and the role the Bucs see him being able to fill. And I think all of those things are a big deal. Like I think the Bucs internally could not be happier outside of the injuries with how this roster has come together for this season. Like, the depth, the players they were able to add with limited resources, and that's including someone like Beauchamp, who they were clearly very high on. Like, I think I think they're very happy with exactly how this came together and how they can compete for at least the next two to three years with a, this version of this core.
2: And especially when you're getting those huge – the TV deal coming. Like, 13 yeah. mil is going to be – it's going to be, like, the mid-level exception.
1: Yeah, seriously.
2: Yeah. If, if, if all goes according to plan.
1: Yeah. Uh, which is ch- –
2: no reason to believe it, should.
1: Correct. One more note on the running it back thing, and then we can bounce around a bit. This is Giannis' quote uh, per Justin Garcia. Giannis was lying again in this press conference. We'll get to it when we talk about Surge, but I don't think this is part is a lie. Quote, we have 16 guys back. I love playing with people I've played with before. You know, in parentheses, their game and what kind of people they are. It's good to have the same people around. We have a team full of great human beings. It's Bucks culture, baby.
2: It is Bucks culture. Bucks culture indeed. And we've talked about it before. Chris and Giannis don't let any A-holes in this team. They run this team. They run this this locker room. And they keep it going. Like literally, like we talked about. Do they actually have sixteen guys back? Um That sounds right.
1: Well, yeah, yeah it's the fif- fifteen guys 15? on the roster are the same. No, Bochamp. Um no, they don't. They have fifteen guys back. Yeah, so they again. have six,
2: they have sixteen guys back because they have the fifteen plus the two two ways two two ways last year were Lindell and Mamu. Oh, if you Those count Lindell, if you back. count
1: Lindell, they have sixteen. Yeah, yeah. Talk is
2: true. gone, and Vildoso
1: yeah. is still on the roster, so that is sixteen. That would be seventeen then, because they have. Well, he's not counting himself. Oh, uh, I suppose they have a lot of guys back, a pretty absurd number of guys back, considering. Yes.
2: Uh, but yeah, it's it, it is Bucks culture. Bucks culture. We've been talking about this over the years. Now it's a thing. It's very strong, and it's also a thing that I, everyone I feel like in the organization and on this team sort of aligns themselves with. Uh, we've we've joked at nauseum about how everyone gives the same quotes about getting better every day. Uh, you know, you just got to take it day by day. Just get better every day. Just the, those things just rehashed over and over again, and that's their quotes for the day. But honestly, I feel like they actually internalize it. And it it seems like this is the thing. It's not just talking the talk. They're walking the walk. They're trying to get better every day, trying to get better every year. We see that. You talk about a guy like Bobby Portis in his – this is year three in Milwaukee. He's going to be – he's gotten better every single time. Like, he's trying. He's getting better. Giannis, obviously, he gets better every year somehow, even though he's the best player in the world. Uh, You just want to get guys who are capable of playing with other guys they're familiar with. And if you're playing with the guys that you are familiar with, you know how to build your games around them you know how it'll fit with other players you don't have to worry about oh this guy's coming in and how is that going to fit oh this guy's coming in how is that going to mesh with my game my offensive skill set am i going to have enough space that's not going to be an issue with this team they know who these guys are they know how they play they know how to mesh together and they will continue to get even better together
1: yeah it's buy in that's what that's the word is buy in to what what the org preaches and i think every org preaches something but Certainly not every org actually gets their players bought into the level the Bucks have. And I think it's for two reasons. One, it's team success, which is always good. And the other is player success. And as you mentioned with Bobby, like players have get, players get better in Milwaukee. And I think that's, you know, Coach Budenholzer to really laser in on it. Like the vitamins that they always talk about. Like They give every player specific things to target and work on to improve how they play within the team. And they just seem to give guys good roles for the most part, especially now that we're at a point where the roster is like been combed and re-combed like three years, like however many years now with Horst and Bud, more than three years. And they've really like they've they've now gotten it to a point where it's nearly exclusively guys they've had around and are comfortable with, and like a few new players who, if they don't fit, they don't stay very long, and if they do fit, then they stay around too. Someone like Javon Carter. So I think like it's like just a really carefully put together group. And I think that's part of the reason we're not seeing like more trades these days is, you know, they don't want to interrupt what they've got and what they've built. I just think they're very happy with it.
2: For sure. And you even see that coming through with a guy like Serge Ibaka. Yeah. (laughs) who, Who comes in at the trade deadline doesn't really play a whole lot. And he's back. <laughs> yeah. He had some interesting quotes uh, about uh, this offseason. Yeah,
1: I've got him here. Um, and Do you have them No, go for it. Uh, I'm all about respect, and this team really respects me. Starting with this team from the beginning in training camp is something that can make a difference, which I think is a great point. I mean, coming in on the fly, still clearly I think dealing with a back injury matters. He was able to play, but who knows how good Serge felt the whole time. He said it was hard not being in the rotation, but it helped me a lot mentally, and that's why I'm back. Um, great atmosphere here, great guys. To me, it's important, especially at this point in my career, to be in a good place. I feel like this is a good place to be. The way things work here is how I like, I like to work. He said, Giannis called me this summer, coaches called me, it showed showed you how bad they wanted me to be back and how they respect me. That's very important. And then he also talked about everybody in this group has the championship mindset from the front office all the way down. The way we work every day, the way we approach things, you can see this is a championship organization, which is high praise from Serge Ibaka, who clearly has been around those before. Like, and Niana says he doesn't call Serge, quote, he sucks, uh, which is freaking hilarious. But um, but yeah, Serge, clearly the team did value him more than we expected. And he felt that in a very real sense.
2: For sure. We were all surprised when he resigned. Uh, it was after we did a podcast. We had to do an addendum to that podcast. Um it was it was interesting. It's interesting to see that Giannis calls him, the coaches call him, say, like, hey, we want you back. We want to run this back. I don't know whether to take that as specifically Surge, or it's like we just want everyone back. What, what do you think?
1: I think it's a little bit of both, but I do think, you know, for the reasons we talked about after watching like the clunky Giannis Papiannis fit in Greece, like the actual tangible spacing threat Surge provides, plus being a true big who can defend, at least should be able to defend the rim. Like I do think schematically he's a better fit than maybe it appeared sometimes because he just wasn't wasn't getting opportunities and the Bucks were in a weird place overall. So I do think they wanted him back. I mean, it's still less embar- like less of a weird look than the Heat throwing a parade for Udonis Haslam, right? Like I think they wanted everyone back. They wanted continuity. I think they also did want Serge specifically. Like I think if the team, both the players and front office, didn't believe in him, I don't think he would be back. I think they do, and I think they are you know, optimistic about being there for the full year now, Being getting a little healthier even from, from his first return. Like I think I think it's not I, – I think there's some of it like just wanting the continuity, but I don't think they would want that so bad that they would go and push for a guy who, you know, they didn't believe in could play. Like I think they, they think he can play his role, which as we've talked about, is a limited small role, but still an important role because we saw – you know bless his heart like greg monroe trying to come in and and be an nba player and it just really really wasn't there i mean he was like a a third center not a second center who really had to be a first center for the bucks
2: yeah it's just tough uh we 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 talked about how it's also like sort of brooke lopez insurance a little bit like if you want to take if you want to take it easy with brooke during the season which they will and should yes uh theoretically will i don't know for sure but uh
1: hopefully we're pretty we're pretty confident they will
2: yeah they also talked about like uh with Giannis just as an aside like he played a lot of basketball this summer they're going to try to take it easy with him too which is understandable uh also is Giannis going to let them that is the question (laughs) um but you you in in surge you talked about like the fit is there theoretically it's there he's a guy who has some range in terms of shooting and he's a guy who can protect the rim. He's a very smart, intelligent defender, and has the physical tools to be a good defender. We just saw when he came into the Bucks and was playing like actual minutes before he was completely excised from the rotation. Uh, when he was trying to play like a little bit of a drop scheme, he would just get roasted in the mid range. Like he he wasn't necessarily knowing where to be in the right spots in terms of his defensive like locations, his spots where where should he drop to, where should he necessarily go to. And that's the thing we've seen improve with the Bucks. Like, once you get into the system, get uh, familiar with the system, with Coach Bud's defense, then you get better. Look at Bobby Portis last season. Yep. You sort of have an evolution of him as a defender because he gets more comfortable with the skills, and sort of the coaching staff mends like, around him. Like You'll take his skills into account, form a defensive scheme that fits him. Y- you need that familiarity, and you can't really do that on the fly, but you can do that after – having a guy in the organization for a little bit. And that's how you, that's hopefully what's going to happen with Serge.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's reasons again to be cautiously optimistic about year two with the Bucks, Serge Ibaka. There's one more player. I think we need to hone in on here. uh, Media takeaways, probably not too much, but Mamu spoke and there wasn't a ton shared from what he said, but I think uh, this quote kind of really packages it all up for again, from Justin Garcia at TMJ Garcia. Mamu, I might have a different role here than in Euro, but I'm still going to compete and take every possession seriously. The Bucs were so supportive of me in Eurobasket, Coach Bud would text me after every game. Which, first, super cool. The fact that a guy on a two-way, who, I mean, the Bucs believe in, but still, like, a guy on a two-way who is still not on an NBA deal. Like, Coach Bud is, like, watching the Georgia games and texting him, like, whatever it was. Just encouragement. I'm guessing there might have been some you know strategic aspects to those two like talking about what he saw that's super cool and i think it's still going to be very stop and start for mamu at the nba level um being on the two way contract kind of guarantees that but if you know giannis is out some games some guys in the rotation are out i think he'll have some chances to play and i'm excited to see it after i think he impressed both of us with georgia and eurobasket
2: for sure, he definitely showed uh, like uh, what kind of skill set he has, how he can be sort of a uh, a player that has that he has that wow factor as a player, which is something like obviously it's easy to say, but it it's a uh, it's a skill that it's 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 kind of hard to develop, and he has that. He has flashy dribble moves. He's fast. He's so fast for his like for his uh, for his height, his weight. He's just. He's a lightning bolt down the court, relatively obviously. But uh, no, he definitely has skills that could improve with this Bucks team. I, we both expressed our sort of concerns with him as a fit on this roster. But you know, if a guy has a chance, he's gonna he's gonna take it. Like he's a, uh, seems like a very he's a good guy. We've got a chance to talk to him a few times, and he just seems very excited about any sort of basketball opportunity that he has. So if he has these opportunities with the Bucs, we know he's gonna take full advantage.
1: 100 percent we have breaking news here before we get to a big question we have to answer you're looking in the wrong places oh no we can confirm milwaukee brewers playbacks wednesday's brewers cardinals game at 6 40 central and friday's brewers marlins game at 7 10 p.m central time get into the gspn discord at gspn.info make sure you're up to date on that i don't think that's been announced in the discord yet but it probably will by the time this pod goes up. So a couple of yeah. Brewers playbacks.
2: I'll actually be at that Marlins game.
1: Oh really? Yeah. Oh, you can give us you can give us live updates from the game. Give us the vibe check. Check in on the ten people who are in attendance. Uh, brewers may be eliminated by then. We'll see. Actually, I don't know if they will be. If they could be, but uh, it's not looking great. Hopefully, Rohan, you can help turn that around uh, on Friday. Um, and we may have some Bucks preseason playbacks coming too. We're still finalizing what we're going to do, but hoping to do at least one or two playbacks for the preseason. And of course, we will have regular season playbacks back as well. So to make sure you are ready for that, get in the GSPN Discord ASAP. Now for a question, Rohan. Okay. A question from Bobby Portis, potential listener. He just said this to the media, media day. He didn't send this to us directly, but we'll act like he did. Who will have more text this season? Bobby or Joe? And I think we should clarify, I'm going to add that Let's let's consider per game. I don't want us to just say Bobby because he'll play more. Let's say per game, who gets more texts, Bobby Portis or Joe Ingles this year?
2: Ooh, I think it. I think it might be Joe. You know, really, Bobby sort of calmed it down. He doesn't get as many texts as he used to anymore. It's true. Joe, Joe, he, he <laughs> talks a lot. Joe is a talk. He talker. talks a lot. He's probably he's gonna be. He's he's the. Biggest trash talker on the team by far. Right?
1: Oh yeah, no question, no question. Yeah. He's chatting. Like, oh, he's very. Bobby, chatty. Bobby's he, probably he up next, with, but
2: yeah. yeah, he chats with the fans courtside too. Yeah. Like on away games, he chats a lot. I think it's. I think it's pretty easily going to be Joe.
1: Yeah, uh, I'll take Bobby. I think Bobby here is kind of trying to, you know, cast some cast some of the tech cloud off of him and onto Joe Ingles, which uh, savvy move. I'm going to take Bobby, but we'll have to track this by the end of the year and see uh, which of us. Which of us wins the tech question? Um, it's going to
2: be one of those two who get it most throughout the season. Or yeah. it might be Bud. That's a good call.
1: It might be Bud. Post-injury Bud might be a demon out there, man. Yeah,
2: ankle replacement surgery. We saw him on a scooter like a month ago. I guess he's still on a scooter. Yeah,
1: he scooted up to media day. Uh, there was a, a, somebody <laughs> so, took a pic on the street of him scooting across the street. Um, it's always funny when I see Bud picks in the wild. Mean, first off, leave Bud alone. But if you like the the bud picks in the wild, they are hilarious when they when they surface.
2: They're so funny. Uh, but get well soon, bud. Get yeah. well soon, Chris. Get well soon, Joe and George. Feel uh, just feel
1: he, better, George. Like stay yeah. well, Joe. I think George yeah. is fine now, but stay well, please.
2: Yeah, please don't hurt yourself. Hurt your back; those are very scary injuries. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, do we uh, do we have anything else, we need to talk about or is My last
1: my them? last thing was Bobby Joe. So unless you had anything, Bobby Joe sounds like a one one person bobby and joe but if you have anything else uh feel free we can chat about it quick but that's all i've got a fun media day and honestly it worked because like it did what it's supposed to i'm excited for the season now i can't wait to watch Bucks basketball i'm
2: very excited for bucks basketball like we said first preseason preseason game on saturday against the grizzlies at pfizer before they head off to abu dhabi to play two games against the hawks uh but yeah ty it's another season we're ready we're ready to cover with you guys uh Make sure you subscribe. We're very excited. Uh, thank you to everyone who's followed along and we can't wait to get get ready for the season. Check out gspn.info for all your needs. Make sure you like, subscribe, leave a five-star rating. We're, do all that fun stuff. Tell your friends and family about the show. Pod random and we'll talk to you next time.